This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture, and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. My name is Dustin Gold. You are listening to the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. All right, folks, and one other thing I just want to bring up on the topic of defeating the system uh, waging a revolution against the system and that it's easier when the system is actually operating as a one world style government. See, what happens is it'd be very difficult to attack the system if the people in the United States were experiencing different issues, let's say, than people over in Poland or somewhere else. Uh, because we'd be so far apart, even though we connect over the internet, that we'd be talking about different problems and it would be an issue to try to wake up folks in those places. But if you've noticed over the last 10, 15, 20, 25 years, people in different countries are experiencing the same problems just with different actors in control, right? So as we had the supposed rise of Trump and U.S. nationalism, you had the folks in England experiencing the rise of Brexit, and they had Theresa May and Boris Johnson and stuff. Different players in different countries, different actors, but almost the same script. And that's because the technocrats are using the same script. When I was over in Poland in July, I'd pointed out to you folks, that it was like the USA 1980. But they are trying to quickly catch Poland up to USA now. Uh, Not 
catching up well yes it's catching up as a as a first world nation which basically means you're under the control of technocracy so those folks will be starting to experience the same folks we have uh, the same problems that we have here for instance credit card debt and all that other stuff didn't really exist in poland nobody really used credit cards now they're starting to so you're going to have people trapped in debt slavery so now when you're able to talk to folks over in poland you can start to talk about the same issues that we're facing here same thing with demographic warfare they flood first world countries with immigrants both legal and illegal for the purpose of destabilizing the workforce driving wages down etc etc well poland is experiencing that with the supposed ukrainian refugees right now so we experience it with uh people from south of the border that's what we experienced since the 80s you know folks in england experience it with pakistanis so now you can start to talk about open border issues with folks in other countries see the technocrats are using the same game plan everywhere to try to catch everyone up to the same level of technocracy as they usher in the larger system central bank digital currency um, facial recognition some of the other issues And so we're all going to face that at the same time, which makes the ability to revolt a little bit easier to revolt in other countries and to share ideas with people in other countries. So it works to our advantage, even though it has worked to our disadvantage because we got to where we are. It's pretty damn bad. But if you want to start to act as a revolutionary, if you want to start to act as an abolitionist and try to free people from the stranglehold of technology, you could start to talk to them about issues you're experiencing here and then compare those to issues that they're experiencing over there. And if they're similar, you can say to someone, how does a country like ours, it's 250 years old, and a country like yours, I don't say it's England, 1,000 years old, how are we experiencing basically the same issues at the same exact time? That is because we're all under the same technocratic control system that's what we need to be fighting not political parties political parties are owned by the technocracy paragraph 197 some people take the line that modern man has too much power too much control over nature they argue for a more passive attitude on the part of the human race At best, these people are expressing themselves unclearly because they fail to distinguish between power for large organizations and power for individuals and small groups. All right, this was very important back in 1995, 28 years ago when this paper was written, folks. Let me continue. It is a mistake to argue for powerlessness and passivity because people need power. Modern man as a collective entity that is the industrial system has immense power over nature. And we, he's talking about his organization FC, regard this as evil. But modern individuals and small groups of individuals have far less power than primitive man ever did. Generally speaking, the vast power of modern man over nature is exercised not by individuals or small groups, but by large corporations or large organizations, he says. To the extent that the average modern individual can wield the power of technology, he is permitted to do so only within narrow limits and only under the supervision and control of the system. 
For instance, you need a license for everything, and with the license comes rules and regulations. The individual has only those technological powers with which the system chooses to provide him. His personal power over nature is slight. All right, and that makes total sense, right? So all the technology we generally have in our life, whether it be a car, whether it be various systems within your home, whether it be your devices, your computer, your laptop, your tablet, your phone, et cetera, et cetera, those devices are given to you, but they all connect up to the internet, right? They connect up to the metaverse. We'll just call that now up to that system. They're useless essentially without being connected to that system or being plugged into the wall for electrical power. Uh, therefore, the system regulates what you can and can't do on those devices anyway. So for the most part, the system controls the technology that the system allows you to have. They're not giving you access to technology that you cannot, uh, that you can just go out there and do whatever you want with. All right, it's all regulated because it's controlled by the system. Even if you look at guns, you know, as a form of technology, you are regulated by laws. Now, you could go out and use those outside of the laws, but then you risk getting yourself into trouble or having your guns taken away from you. As we see being talked about today, obviously, uh, it was a big deal a couple of years ago with the red flag laws and everything else. I don't really pay attention to that news anymore, so I don't know what's happening in that arena. Paragraph 198, primitive individuals and small groups actually had considerable power over nature, or maybe it would be better to say power within nature. When primitive man needed food, he knew how to find and prepare edible roots, how to track game and take it with homemade weapons. He knew how to protect himself from heat, cold, rain, dangerous animals, etc. But primitive man did relatively little damage to nature because the collective power of primitive society was negligible compared to the collective and power of industrial society. And this is where I would say man living in harmony with nature. I mean, man is part of nature. Uh, if you look at the system, whether you believe it was created by God uh, by Mother Nature, by some creator, I don't know, or the big boom. It all worked so perfectly. Now, some would argue, and this was actually a controlled opposition narrative, that man destroyed the planet. It's not man in general, as he's talking about individuals in small groups. It was the elitist, power-hungry folks that are trying to play God, which now we know were the industrialists, uh, the technocrats, now the transhumanists. They're trying to take control of nature, the natural world, and humanity, and harness it as their own, and shape it into whatever their vision is, which is really just controlling it under a digital slave system so man can live in harmony with nature it's when you bring the technocrats into the mix that both nature and man end up being destroyed paragraph 199 instead of arguing for powerlessness and passivity one should argue that the power of the industrial system should be broken and that this will greatly increase the power and freedom of individuals and small groups. And I'll just say here, I brought it up several times. When the author is saying industrial system, or he's saying industrial technological system, he's talking about 
technocracy as a whole, the entire technological structure, which is very big right now. And I think most people don't know what technocracy is. Uh, and, and you do. I mean, the, the definition from the technocracy movement itself is the science of social engineering and the systematic control of the means of production and distribution of goods and services. So you can say that technocracy is the science of socially engineering humans into a technological system that controls the means of all production and the distribution of all goods and services. Now, in the original definition, the original technological movement, you would say that it was being led by the scientists, engineers, and the technologists or the machinists back then. That's what they would say. But if you really look at it, in the system we're in now, it's being run uh, by a whole slate of bureaucrats. So you have mathematicians, you have engineers, scientists, technologists, you have programmers, software programmers, bankers. I, I mean, just a whole array of folks are involved with propping up the technocratic system. It's taken a life of its own. So we have to figure out when we're talking to people how we frame it. I wouldn't go out and call it the industrial system. Uh, it's very difficult for me to even attack industrialism and um, industrialists because people have this fictional view of, say, Henry Ford and the Rockefellers and Rothschilds, all the original guys, that they were great. They helped build the first world nations. And so if you attack them, it's like attacking the founding fathers. And if you go out and talk to people today about the industrial system, I think most people won't even know what you're speaking of. I, I think it's almost better to frame it in modern terms, especially if you're talking to younger folks as big tech or Silicon Valley, we'll have to work that out, folks. I need to do that on a show with someone like Maria Albanese, co-host of the Thomas Paine podcast on Fridays, where we can sit here and work on framing these arguments. I think that would be a very valuable show uh, to allow you guys to walk away with some bumper sticker slogans and figuring out how to win this narrative fight. Um, and this is why I'm going to start doing live shows with call-ins because I want to get you guys to call in with your feedback when you're working out some of this and testing some of this on your kids and grandkids and seeing what works and what doesn't work. Uh, paragraph 200, until the industrial system has been thoroughly wrecked, the destruction of that system must be the revolutionary's only goal. Other goals would distract attention and energy from the main goal. More importantly, if the revolutionaries permit themselves to have any other goal than the destruction of technology, they will be tempted to use technology as a tool for reaching that other goal. Uh, and, and look at us. We are in a position now, 28 years after this paper was written, that I'm using technology a lot of different technologies to do this show to try to reach you and talk about tearing down the technocratic system. Now, again, I haven't even stepped both feet into this. I'm not advocating for the entire system to be tor torn down, although I believe to get as close to true freedom, the whole system would have to be torn down. But I also know as soon as that happens, it will begin to grow. This is why we'll talk about cyclist civilizations uh, shortly. 
Um, so I believe if you could take away 20%, 30%, 50%, 60%, you're getting closer to freedom. The cycle will pick back up with technology continuing to grow. There's never going to be a utopia situation for the people that want wild nature. Uh, or, obviously, there's no utopia in full-blown technocracy. That's just hell and destruction and slavery. But if you can at least begin the process of explaining to people that the technological system is the, the problem, it's the problem... Um, and it's the root cause of all the problems experienced by people on the left and people on the right. It is the root cause. goes on to say, if they give in to that temptation, they will fall right back into the technological trap. Because modern technology is unified, tightly organized system. So that in order to retain some technology, one finds oneself obliged to retain most technology. Hence, one ends up sacrificing only token amounts of technology. And, and you know what he's talking about in this case, right? So let's say I was someone who said, we have to get rid of all technology, but we can't get rid of podcasts or we can't get rid of YouTube. Well, now podcasts and YouTube lead to we need computers, we need microphones, we need cameras, we need smartphones, we need internet. And before you know it, the whole system is back up and operating just because I want a podcast to be able to rail against technology, right? So I'm using technology to rail against technology. So right now, folks, I'm being pretty hypocritical, but I've pointed that out throughout the Dust and Gold Standard. You know, I, if I wouldn't be honest if I was sitting there not admitting to you that I'm obviously using technology, which you know because you're listening to me. But at this point, I think we're so late in the game compared to what this author was talking about what needed to be done 28 years ago that the only way to start to spread this information to a large enough audience in order to begin the process of educating people on what the actual root cause of their problems are is through the internet because we're not going to tear the internet down tomorrow it doesn't matter it's still operational if i close down my show and you stop listening to podcasts that would be what a couple thousand of us that wouldn't use the internet that's not going to make a dent in the system and we would, uh, at this stage, I think most of us need the internet to be able to make money to survive in the system till we can exit the system. But at least we're starting to talk about this. I don't know anyone else who is, because if it succeeded, it would be the demise of my show, my ability, obviously, to make a living. That's okay. I'm willing to sacrifice that. But if I just shut this off and say I'm a martyr, I'm going away, it's not going to make a difference. Uh, Allison McDowell kind of did that with Twitter, and it made no dent in the system whatsoever. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I'll make a dent in the system. I am going to shut this show down, but only for a few moments to go to a short commercial break. I'll be right back. This is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Pain.tv slash gold. My name is Dustin Gold, and you are listening to the Dustin Gold Standard. Let's jump right back in paragraph 201. 
Suppose, for example, that the revolutionaries took, quote, social justice, end quote, as a goal. Human nature being what it is, social justice would not come about spontaneously. It would have to be enforced. In order to enforce it, the revolutionaries would have to retain central organization and control. For that, they would need rapid, long-distance transportation and communication, and therefore all the technology needed to support the transportation and communication systems. To feed and clothe poor people, they would have to use agricultural and manufacturing technology and so forth, so that the attempt to ensure social justice would force them to retain most parts of the technological system. Not that we have anything against social justice, but it must not be allowed to interfere with the effort to get rid of the technological system. Now, on the other side, let me add to what the author says there. Why would you need a social justice system? But for the fact that the technological system created problems for certain sects of folks that then needed social justice so the technological system caused the problems right and then the solution is needing technology to fix the supposed problems that the technological system created see you just go deeper and deeper and deeper into technology technology creates the problem it provokes the reaction and then the solution is more and more and more technology and that's just the way it keeps on working. You see that today, folks. I mean, how many examples have we given over 138 episodes? I don't know, hundreds of them? Paragraph 202. It would be hopeless for revolutionaries to try to attack the system without using some modern technology. If nothing else, they must use the communications media to spread their message. But they should use modern technology for only one purpose, to attack the technological system. Well, there you go. There you go. So thank you to the author here for pointing out that it's okay for us to use technology to attack the system. And, and that's what I was just saying. You can't really attack the system uh, these days unless you're on uh, social media using the tools that the technocrats have created for the purpose of driving us deeper into technology, but to try to use that to free people of it to spread the message to spread the message so you have to use those tools unless you want to start going out and flyer dropping and everything else which you can do and it may still be effective but obviously you'll need the technology because you're going to need photoshop or something to design flyers you're going to need a printer to print them so you still need to use technology in order to wake people up to the system i think the key is to frame the argument correctly and put up these two ideologies against each other technocratic slavery versus wild nature freedom i think that's how you have to show people uh, and get them to understand that they actually live in a slave system now most people are fooled into believing that consumerism is freedom Right, so they think that they can open their Amazon Prime app, order a plastic widget, and 24 hours it shows up on their front door, and that is actually freedom. When in fact, they're ordering stuff from the technocratic slave system because once Amazon 
finishes consolidating the rest of the retail supply chain, then the system could cut you off from the products, not just the garbage, but real things that you actually need. Uh, Paragraph 203. Imagine an alcoholic sitting with a barrel of wine in front of him. Suppose he starts saying to himself, quote, wine isn't bad for you if used in moderation. Why they say small amounts of wine are even good for you. It won't do me any harm if I take just one little drink, end quote. Well, you know what is going to happen. Never forget that the human race with technology is just like an alcoholic with a barrel of wine. I mean, that makes perfect sense, folks, does it not? That's a great way to put it, a great story to tell people. Uh, Without actually calling them an alcoholic (laughs) or telling them they're addicted to technology, you can kind of work this out in your own way. It's got to be tailored for each person you're talking to to fit their personality. But I think you can utilize a version of that story to walk people into realizing that they are like the alcoholic with the barrel of wine. Paragraph 204, revolutionaries should have as many children as they can. Oh, no. I got to have more kids? I guess I better get to work, folks. There is a strong scientific evidence that social attitudes are to a significant extent inherited. No one suggests that a social attitude is a direct outcome of a person's genetic constitution, but it appears that personality traits are partly inherited and that certain personality traits tend, within the context of our society, to make a person more likely to hold this or that social attitude. I I do believe, I've said it on this show before, that for some reason, some of us are like Neo in the Matrix, the original Matrix. We aren't fully unplugged. None of us really are, I don't think, even myself. Um, But we know something is wrong. All right, it's wired into us. Uh, We're able to use common sense and critical thinking more than other folks. And for some reason, we walk around and we can feel that something just isn't right. And I think that's what allows people like us to lift the veil on the scams and the schemes and the grifts. We're able to see through the BS uh, a lot easier than some other folks are. And I think it's the same type of mentality of folks who constantly fall for scams Uh, The people that write back to the Nigerian Prince emails, folks that answer some call and start talking to someone on the phone thinking they're a sales rep. I know Instacart drivers that constantly get flim-flammed into giving up the passcode to their account to who they think is a rep on the other line, and then they get their account stolen from them. For some reason, there are people that are just more willing to walk into traps, and they just don't use common sense goes on to say objections to these findings have been raised, but the objections are feeble and seem to be ideologically motivated. In any event, no one denies that children tend on the average to hold social attitudes similar to those of their parents. From our point of view, it doesn't matter all that much whether the attitudes are passed on genetically or through childhood training. In either case, they are passed on. So what he's saying is, if you are a revolutionary, if you are someone who wants to separate from the system, exit the system, and run off to a homestead, have more kids, <laughs> have more kids, so that we could outnumber the Kens and the Karens and their uh, Ken and Karen doll children. 
Paragraph 205, the trouble is that many of the people who are inclined to rebel against the industrial system are also concerned about the population problems. Hence, they are apt to have few or no children. In this way, they may be handing the world over to the sort of people who support or at least accept the industrial system. Now, I would say that that may have been true in 1995, 28 years ago. Okay, that may have been true. So what he's talking about is people who generally wore either, you know, the tree-hugging, uh, um, tree-hugging hippies coming really from the left, or maybe the conservationist conservative types who were also worried about population problems, so they didn't have kids. Nowadays, I don't think um, people fit into those boxes anymore. I think it's it's different now, so it's something we don't have to be too concerned about. goes on to say, to ensure the strength of the next generation of revolutionaries, the present generation should reproduce itself abundantly. Now, what I will say is I know there are young folks out there that think like me, because I've talked to them, who get trapped into the idea of not having a kid or kids because they don't want to bring them into this prison planet world. We'll see, same thing the author's talking about there from a different standpoint. Uh, But you got to tell those people not to worry about that. I mean, I don't fear for Willie's future. Because I am going to raise him up to be able to survive outside and inside the system. So I don't fear. Humans have gone through problems in every single generation. Obviously, this is pretty bad with the technological prison planet. But you should not say, I'm not going to have a kid because I don't want to bring him into this crazy world. You're basically saying that's the end of your bloodline. You're just basically going to abort your whole family bloodline. Don't do that, especially if you're a fighter. Raise your kids to be fighters goes on to say in doing so they will be worsening the population problem only slightly and the important problem is to get rid of the industrial system because once the industrial system is gone with the world gone the world's population necessarily will decrease see paragraph 167 whereas if the industrial system survives it will continue developing new techniques of food production that may enable the world's population to keep increasing almost indefinitely and what we know is that the technocratic revolutionists, the fourth industrial revolutionaries, right? They want to limit the population, but they're going to pick and choose who actually dies. See, if the industrial system was uprooted and we went back to, say, survival of the fittest, nature is going to decide who lives and dies. In this system, a few men, Right, the head of the technocracy pick and choose who gets to live and who gets to die. It goes on to say, paragraph 206, with regard to revolutionary strategy, the only points on which we absolutely insist are the single overriding goal must be the elimination of modern technology and that no other goal can be allowed to compete with this one. This is why anyone who is interested in politics or activism on the right or the left, this is what they need to be told. Even if you know someone and they're not bought and paid for, some radical Antifa type, uh, some nephew of yours or something, I would talk to him about this. Open his eyes. Set his activism on the real target. Goes on to say, for the rest, revolutionaries should take an empirical approach. If experience indicates that some of the recommendations made in the foregoing paragraphs are not going to give good results, then those recommendations should be discarded. 
Now, one other thing I just wanted to add here. Uh, at the end of paragraph 205, where he says the industrial, if the industrial system survives, it will continue developing new techniques of food production that may enable the world's population to keep increasing almost indefinitely, right? And I had said to you that um, either the elites are going to decide who lives and dies or nature is going to decide who lives and dies. So if you believe, if you're listening to the show and you truly believe Everything that I hear you guys have been saying the last couple of years under COVID land, the high school theater production, that the elites are sticking people with jabs. They're trying to kill them. They're trying to hook them up to uh, Starlink, you know, Elon Musk satellite company through nanobots or whatever else it is. If you truly believe all this, if you believe the transhumanist stuff is real and the only logical conclusion is the engineering of humanity out of existence, then would you roll the dice to go further into the technocracy and gamble with transhumanism and gamble with DNA uh, modifying injections, or would you roll the dice and gamble with the tearing down of the technocratic system and letting nature run its course? I think you have to ask yourself that because some people would say to me, Dustin, you're crazy. We can't get rid of this technological society or a lot of people could die. Well, how could you say that to me if you already believe the elites are going to kill a lot of people under the technological system to support the technological system to help with the advancement of the technological system if you truly believe that then you already know people are going to die one way or the other the direction we're moving it is going to be a lot of death under the hands of the technocrats now if the technocratic system was torn down would you rather put your hands uh, your life in the hands of nature or would you rather put your life in the hands of the technocracy i already know for doing this show if it gets to the point where they can pinpoint target someone to die i'm obviously going to be on that list so i would gamble with nature over the technocrats ladies and gentlemen i'm gonna gamble with a short break and hope you hang on i'll be right back this is dustin gold with the dustin gold standard right here you're listening to the dustin gold standard on pain.tv join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold 